You're listening to Arts Talk Radio, and I'm Michael Hasted. We bring you interviews as well as news relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, which are either in English or where language is no problem. We concentrate on events in Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and the surrounding areas. Arts Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English. The coronavirus has wreaked havoc across the world, not least through the arts, entertainment and the cultural sector. I'll be visiting a giant institution which sadly has not survived the crisis. But first, something we use every minute of every day, but something we all take completely for granted. Paper. I'm in the Museum Reichswijk and I'm with Diana Wint, who is the curator of the Paper Biennale. Now, it may not be obvious to everybody, but the exhibition is things made entirely of paper, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, not everything is entirely made of paper, but for uh, 95% it's all paper. And this ranges from everything, from little pictures in frames to a giant head there, which I think is the most spectacular piece in the exhibition. What's that exactly? Well, the, the, the head you see is uh, from Quintley Barbara. The artist's name is Quintley Barbara. And he made a tribute to his grandmother. And he made it from um, gaffer tape and um, cardboard. And it's, it, it, it really looks like his grandmother. It's very, very crude. I mean, it's old cardboard boxes patched up to make a head in it, but it's incredible detail. I mean, the eyes and the mouth, it, it's, it look, actually looks like somebody, it's not just a head. No, that's correct. He, he put some uh, pictures of his grandmother on uh, the sculpture, and then he, every once in a while he looked at the pictures to see if, it's, if it was almost the same as, as uh, on the photos. It's very realistic. You must have had big worries about this exhibition, because obviously you've been planning it for two years and at the last moment did it look like being cancelled? Well, maybe not cancelled but postponed. Mm -hmm. That was a possibility. But um, we are lucky that we could open in time and that we could prolong the previous exhibition. Um, but the difficulties are that not every artist could come because of the coronavirus. We had an artist from uh, Colombia um, she's coming in, in September, but it's impossible for her to, to come to, to build up her own work. And we also had two difficulties with the works. One didn't arrive because of Corona and the other one was a golden floor in the map of Lebanon. And we couldn't get hold of enough um, gold leaf because of Corona. So <laughs> how, ma how many different artists are there in the show from how many countries? Um, nine countries, uh, 22 artists. And there are lots of installations, aren't there? It's not just things on walls. There's lots of things standing in the middle of the floor. There. I think there's one thing upstairs which I saw with um, the luggage, because there's a theme, isn't there, for this year's show, which yes. is home. It's home. And what, what's, yeah. the, what's the idea behind that? A lot of things are especially made for this exhibition. And we saw that many artists were uh, occupied by the idea of home, because a lot of people do not have a home or are worried that their home is uh, in trouble, that it's, it's, there's too much danger coming from uh, over the border because of the immigrants. Mm. 
Um, so we, I saw uh, on the different art fairs and uh, when I visited artists that home was a very important subject for them. Because it's also become more important, which you couldn't have known, is that for the last <laughs> four months everybody had to stay at home. Yes, absolutely. That mm. was totally... I, I, it, it was not me no, no. who brought the COVID here. <laughs> but it, 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 it absolutely... And that is what you see in the exhibition, that a lot of uh, works are very personal. And it's, uh, there are personal stories about what they feel uh, uh, about their homes, what, home, uh, what, what being home means for them. But at the same time, and that is what it always makes it good art, it's also universal. I think there's one behind you. This is, um, you were telling me the other day, this is an artist who, who gave shelter to Syrian refugees. Still does. Still yes, does. Yes, he still does. He is, uh, it's, it, his name is Senol Tatli. He lives uh, on, in the countryside in Switzerland. Um, he is from uh, Turkish parents. He was brought up in uh, Switzerland, lived for a while in Istanbul, and then got back to Switzerland. And he knew that his ancestors came from Aleppo in Syria. And when the war started in Syria, he said, I am going to make work about what is happening there and all the refugees from Syria to Europe. But at home, we are also going to do something for the people. So in the last uh, seven years, they have refugees from Syria in their house. They get clothing, food, money, uh, and then after a month they move on to he doesn't know where. So uh, how, how did you choose the artist? Was this open submission or by invitation? Uh, both. Okay. It was an open uh, admission because I cannot travel all over the world and for now it's impossible to do it. Um, but also half of the artists I choose myself and invited uh, them to make specially work for the exhibition. Mm. Because all of the installations you, you have to make for the, spa the appropriate space. You can't just make them in your studio and hope to find somewhere to... You have to have the space and then make something to go in it. So what else have we got here? There's some novelty pieces. There's the, um, the Arnold the Fini. Arnold Fini uh, yeah, with, portrait um, from Jan van Eyck. Exactly, but it's not the real one. It's got a mirror, so when you look at the picture, it's your picture, you see. Your yes, picture. yes. And the man's got no face at all. No, that's correct. And it's not the whole, the whole uh, painting from no. van Eyck, uh, because the, the right side uh, you lose. Um, what you see is a drawing uh, after uh, the painting of Van Eyck and what you see is that at the place where the mirror is in the painting of Van Eyck then you can see in the painting uh, the self-portrait of Van Eyck and here you look at yourself and you see the role between the woman who is uh, the same person as in the painting but the man is the man uh, the, the woman later on divorced so, and what you, when you look in the mirror, the artist wants you to think about what your own role is in your own marriage. You need a book of instructions before you look <laughs> at that picture. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and what else have we got here? There's, that looks like a whirlwind there, something on, a, on a, an old Victorian ta table, and there's a little house, and it's a, it's a, a, a cyclone or a whirlwind. Yes, what you see is on the ceiling the ha a half of our world, so our globe, 
And it is made of um, all the cut-out uh, um, roads on maps. And uh, Marianne Lammerse made this, uh, uh, this piece. And she cut out for three, four months all uh, maps and uh, kept all the, the red uh, roads. And she put that together uh, and made half uh, a globe of it, which is mirrored. Uh, to a whole globe, and what you see that it there it swirls down in the house where she was born and where her parents still live. It's a bit like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it's a bit but like. I, I mean, a lot of the work is uh, with paper. I mean, paper is very fragile, and a lot of the work here is very, very intricate. I mean, it must have taken hours and hours, or weeks, days to do. There must be lots of mistakes. I mean, it's very easy if you're working on a large piece of paper and you're cutting out very fine shapes for the knife to slip. Yeah, I think that that will happen a lot of, of, of in these works, but then they start all over again. Mm. And a lot of artists are like monks. They are just prepared to put in many hours and get the right result. Luckily, they've been forced to stay at home with no distractions for the last <laughs> yes. few months. Okay, well, thanks very much for that. Um, that was Diana Vind of the Reichs, not the Rijksmuseum, the Reichs Museum for the Paper Biennale. And it runs till when did you say? 15th of November. Okay, thanks very much indeed for that. Arts Talk magazine provides the perfect companion to Arts Talk Radio with reviews and previews in English of cultural events in Holland. Whatever your interest in the arts, our international team of writers will always provide something new and exciting to see online. That's Arts Talk magazine, all one word, dot nl. Arts Talk magazine, dot nl. Arts Talk Radio online. While galleries and museums have returned to some sort of normality, the coronavirus has particularly hit venues which involve a seated audience. Although, in Holland at least, many have reopened, it is not viable to perform with a greatly reduced capacity. While many smaller organisations struggle on, the larger the venue, the larger the overheads and the larger the problems. Possibly the saddest victim of the pandemic has been the Cirque du Soleil, which recently announced that it had filed for bankruptcy, closing all shows around the world and making over 3,500 people redundant. The Giant Circus was in The Hague at the end of last year, and in light of the recent devastating news, here is part of a special dedicated programme which we broadcast then. Dames and bienvenue au du Soleil. I'm at the Cirque du Soleil in The Hague, where the dress rehearsal for Totem is about to get underway. But just before it does, I've come backstage to have a talk with some of the performers. Hi, uh, my name is Oyun Erden Senge, and I'm a contortionist at Totem, and I'm from Mongolia. It's always fascinated me about um, contortionists. Do you actually learn to be a contortionist, or are you born a contortionist? <laughs> I actually did learn to be a contortionist, so I went to a contortion school. Um, for sure, like it requires certain type of like uh, flexibility, uh, but it's a lot of. Uh, most of it is mostly trainings. Like anybody, because we start at a young age. Like most people are flexible at that age. I started when I was six years old. 
So uh, we had a lot of girls there. Of course, some girls were more naturally flexible and some are less, but you can still learn to do uh, to do like all the uh, skills and be also like, it's not just contortion, I do also hand balancing. So it's a mix with hand balancing and contortion. So hand balancing, that's like anybody can learn to do it if you have the training for it. I, yeah. pr I probably couldn't. <laughs> uh, did you, when you when you started at six, was this always with the plan to go into the circus or are, are there other opportunities? I mean, is it useful in sport? Is there any? Contortion is part of our traditional art in Mongolia. So it's a very popular thing. So that's why they are, there are schools specifically for contortion like you learn to do contortion uh, which is pretty awesome and so my mom she saw so she saw my coach my coach is a very famous contortionist in Mongolia um, so she saw her like always on newspapers and uh, you know uh, on TV and she was traveling around so my mom thought it would be a cool thing to try for me because she saw that she was traveling a lot um, so I auditioned and uh, uh, luckily I got into her school so now uh, yeah and when did you actually start performing in the circus so uh, I started at six and then um, uh, six, as a, no professionally I started contortion at six but professionally I started at 11 years old uh, at Cirque du Soleil yeah I did my first like a uh, duo performance with my partner and Cirque du Soleil Alegria the which, show which country was that in uh, uh, Toronto Oh, okay. Yeah, so I did my first performance there. So I've been with the company for 15 years now. That's incredible. Yeah. And it must be uh, quite a, a short life. I mean, you can't be doing a contortion when you're 50, can you? Or can you? Uh, the, you can. Um, it's just not but maybe not quite so flexible. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> you can still like contort, I think. You can still stretch and stuff. But of course, I don't think you can do this as in a professional level where like you perform, you know, many shows a week. No, but I know there are older contortionists. They're like still 60 and still warm up and they're still flexible and they still stretch. So this you can do like more as a hobby later. But I think professionally you can go up to 40 years old, like you know, very high level. 35 to 40 depending on the body everybody's body is different so some people have to stop you know at, in their 20s or some people can continue f in their full 30s so it depends on how your body is and also how you take care of your body so it depends on a lot of things and it's very individual the age of uh, but it, career but it can't be good for your body I mean it must put dreadful strains on parts of the body which aren't designed to take strain. I don't think it's bad for the body too. <laughs> it's all my body is known, right? And I think as long as you take care of it well, and nowadays we learn a lot about, uh, you know, different exercises and, uh, you know, health benefits, all that. So as long as I think you eat healthy and you, because like I said, I'm not only just bending. I think if you're just bending and doing nothing else, you know, then you don't have muscles where I do a lot of strength stuff. So I think, the strength and the flexibility balance each other, so I don't really have like aches, or I don't really have pain, and I try to do Pilates, and I think that helps a lot. So I think it's good to do, you know, the parts where you you stretch a lot, then maybe you can do a bit Pilates and uh, you know activate the muscles, and you know you just I think finding a good balance 
then it's I don't think it's actually bad for you and I have like my contortion coach and you know they're they're fine and they're in their 60s 70s and you know they're like normal people maybe they have some aches here and there but that's very individual like you know anybody I feel like can have that too can be genetic I don't know we all don't know sometimes so but they seem to be fine so I think it's not too bad yeah and how how many hours a day do you do practicing uh, I would say now that you know we do shows every day, that becomes part of the training. Um, but yeah, I would train maybe like hour or two a day. But the warm up, the whole process of warm up and going on stage and doing your number, that is also like a training. So that keeps you in shape. You have your cardio. So we we're constantly working six days a week. So yeah. Okay, thank you very much indeed for that. Thank you. <laughs> my name is Saadessi. And my name is Guillaume Cochois. And you're trapezists. Trapezists, is that the correct word? Trapeze artists. <laughs> and what nationality are you? I'm from Canada. And I'm from France. Ah, okay, and how long have you been working together on the trapeze? Uh, almost 10 years now. Yeah. And how long have you been with the Cirque du Soleil? Cirque du Soleil? Uh, it's going to be... It's going to be seven years, on and off seven years. We yeah. started in 2012. 2012. That's right. And then we did a five years touring non-stop. Then we left the show for two years. But we, within those two years, we came back for shorter terms. And now we're back more. But you work in other sexes around yes. the world? Yes. Yeah. Where else have you worked? Uh, we worked in Germany. We actually worked in Amsterdam last winter. Yeah. Wow, and you're doing, you're here for two months nearly? I think yeah. so, yeah. So that's a lot of people to find. So, tell me a little bit about how you um, started in trapeze. Uh, in, like I say, in the old days in the circus, there used to be circus families, and an act yeah. used to be handed down and handed down. And now there are circus schools all over yeah. the world. So how did you get started? Yeah, in circus school, actually. So I had a friend that was going in Montreal, that's where I'm from, and he invited me to come, and I just fell in love with circus so I started when I was 15 years old and I started trapeze actually at 17 so when I started I was doing a little bit of everything and then I saw a dual trapeze that really inspired me which is actually the original duo on this show and um, I wanted to do the same so that's when I picked up dual trapeze and when did you start I started when I was six or seven uh, because I had a stutter, so my parents put me in circus school to like push me to express myself to pass oh, over. Trapeze is a, a good treatment for stuttering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess it worked, yeah. I don't think many people would try it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Not recommended, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I, so I did circus pretty much all my childhood, and when I was 19, I auditioned to the National Circus School in Montreal, and this is where I met Sarah, and the school took us, took the both of us to work together. Then. And you've been together ever since. Yeah. yeah. So it's, quite, it's, it's hard work, isn't it? It's very hard yeah. work. It's eight <laughs> to ten shows a week. So it's, I mean, it's fun. People think it's kind of like Disney World, right? But yeah. actually, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Do, do you live on site while you're here? Uh, we have hotel and apartments. We're not too far. I'm like 20 minutes away, I think. Yeah. So. Minutes walking, so it's not so bad. Yeah. And is six is six weeks, seven weeks normal, or do you do sometimes two or three weeks? Some, no, the, no, the minimum is five. Five I weeks, think. I think, is a yeah, shorter city and like longer city. Three months. Three three months, but we did six months in Tokyo. Yeah. But with uh, one week off in between, so we did three months, one week break, and another three months. That's exceptional. So that was yeah, it's exceptional. Tokyo. That's the longest city we ever done. 
I mean, how much preparation? I mean, every day do you do? I mean, what, what is it? Practice or class or every day? How much? How much time do you spend? So, actually on the trapeze we don't really train, we train like once a week I would say, mm -hmm. uh, so the rest of it is just a preparation, like physical preparation, uh, so he has a big workout. Like I work out about an hour and a half every day, and then we have like the whole preparation before the show, so yeah. like stretching and like terrible work and making sure our body is ready to go on stage and to perform. So you're, you're basically the catcher? Yes. And you're the one who? The flyer. Flyer, has he ever dropped you? It has happened. Oh dear. But it's very, very few times. <laughs> Do you work with a net? Huh? Do you work with a safety net? We have a mattress, yes. A, so match, the, a mattress? Yeah. Yes. It's a how, how, how high are you off the ground? I don't even know. Just, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know. think I want to know. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I try not to think about it too much, yeah. But this is not just a mattress that somebody brings in off their bed. This is a, no, a special mattress. No, it's quite bigger, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's made to be for, for safety, yeah. like it's made to be yeah. safe in case of yeah. falls. Yeah. Okay, well I think that will do. Thank you very much. All right. All right, but thank you very much. Thank you for coming. I was in The Hague talking to some of the performers from the Cirque du Soleil last year. Let's hope it's not gone forever. Well, that's all for now. We'll be back soon, and in order not to miss any future programmes, please click on the subscribe button below. I'm Michael Hasted, so until the next time, it's goodbye. Bye. Yeah.